Hello and welcome to Game Brain, a board game podcast with Matthew Robinson's gaming group. I'm your host, Tim Donnelly. Maddie is playing patty cake and losing badly. We are round six, turn eight. And I've got the casual gamer, Jake, on the Skype. How are you doing, Jake? I'm very glad to be talking to you, Tom. How are you doing? I am well. Everyone is still uh, uh, still alive and kicking on my neck of the woods. Everybody doing all right on your side? We're holding it together. Good. Yes, we can. Yes, sir. Good. Now you uh, uh, you tend to be uh, the, uh, the a stay at home person to begin with. How has this uh, situation changed your day to day? Has it changed it less, more, or about the same as most of the other folks out there? Oh no, my my world is completely upside down. I mean, I've gone back to the days when my son was fully in my care all day long because, of course, as everyone else's children are at home, there's no school. So my wife is working from home, and she shuts herself up in a room so that we don't bother her. And it's just me and the five-year-old, you know, 20 hours a day, basically. (laughs) So it's really changed. It's it's a marathon. It is not a sprint. And uh, it's quite quite an exertion on my part. Oh, I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. That's amazing. And we only have one. I, 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 my hat is off to the families where, you know, there's multiple kids bouncing around. Uh, how those parents do it is beyond me. Yeah. I mean, I, I have teenagers now, so um, they're kind of like your wife. They just shut themselves in their rooms for, for long periods of time. And- <laughs> right. right. Well, I'll be honest. We've now, uh, in the last, most recent week, we've come up with this thing called quiet time, where I say, okay, Logan, now you can just go in your little area and you can just do whatever you want. And I'm just going to be over here. And I think it's really healthy. And he has no problem with it because after all of this, he, he, he's getting sick of me, I think. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, daddy, why do you keep drinking from that bottle? <laughs> it's quiet yes, time. Yes, have a happy hour. He knows what happy hour is now. Back away from daddy on quiet time. <laughs> no, but you know what? I, I really have been trying to stay positive and see all of the the good that's come out of this forced, you know, on top of each other time, um, which otherwise we would never have had. I, I uh, my wife said it to me uh, uh, not too long ago. We are we are full on taking this as an opportunity like our kids are so busy with school and so you know starting to reach out and do their own things in the world we only have them for a few more years before they're off in in college and we're using this as an opportunity like wow we we got them we're all in one place we're all together we actually have opportunities to talk to each other and to interact with each other in ways that we're was kind of slipping away from us, and so we're trying to be really. I in- totally understand. Yeah, we're yeah, trying to be really I appreciate about that. It. I mean, my little guy is on the other end of that spectrum. He's just beginning that journey from where, like, oh, yeah. we only got him a few hours in the morning and a few hours in the evening, and now we just like you said, we have a lot of opportunities to really have discussions. And he's of an age where he's asking questions. I mean, he fully knows what's going on in the world. I mean, not fully, but he, he gets it. Like, yeah, he understands I mean, why we're putting masks on when we go for a little walk around the block. Well, I mean, you've said before many times that your son's an anti-vaxxer. So how is that? Well, how, how is, how is um, that squaring with what's going on right now? I know you've, you've, you've had some very strong discussions with him about that, but he, we, you know, jokes aside, we <laughs> we have had some pretty intense conversations that I don't know if every five-year-old could have, but I've broken it down as simply and as clearly and as, you know, fear-free as I can. 
Good. I just tried to tell him that there's uh, a flu season every year, and yeah. not every year gets a name, and not every year's is bad, and this is a really bad year. And we have to do extra stuff to make sure that we stay safe and that we keep others safe. You're such a good dad, Jake. You're such a good dad. That's awesome. Aww, I think that's thanks, a really man. good way of uh, of laying it out to be like, yeah, this is this is different, but it's not it's incredibly different from what we've had before. It's uh, not. I, yeah. I mean, he's had shots, and I've said, remember when we went to get Daddy's flu shot, and like you've gotten shots. This is the same thing. It's just now they don't have a shot, so we have to really be careful. <laughs> uh, you know, this, I think he gets it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, no, this no. week we're yes, going to this week we're going to be talking about the 2019 release Glenmore 2 Chronicles and we're also going to be talking about Love this game making friends through gaming and in particular the difference between competitive gaming and cooperative gaming competitive experiences in life and cooperative experiences in life and how do those affect making friends uh, should we just get into it should we get into the, uh, this week's game night sure let's do it let's do it Uh, just a few nights ago, Jake and I and a couple of friends of ours got together virtually to play Glenmore 2 again, just in, in uh, to get ready for this. Uh, Jake, you and I have played this game at least once, if not twice, uh, in real life before uh, Correct. Before bad things yes, we, happened. We, you taught it to me. Yes. Yes, before the uh, ish hit the fan. We, we played this in person and you gave a great teach, such that you oh, didn't thanks. have to teach it to me again weeks later when we played it over the laptop. I was, I was going to say something about that it's it's almost like a month and a half later and you remembered the game in its entirety i was like dude all right it, 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 i thought about that and i thought why because that is not something i would have anticipated for myself and i think <laughs> the reason is there was no other really difficult games that i learned in between pretty uh, sure that was the last game i played like in proper game night so I it stayed it with is. me interesting interesting so yeah, 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 yeah. So, so for you, that constant wheel of okay, what am I going to learn this week? That's what mm -hmm. erases the memory of the past ones. I totally get that. Yeah, it's like I love the learning almost as much as the playing, but we really do just cycle through, and it's like okay, overwrite, erase, overwrite, erase, and this uh. one was luckily still in the memory banks for when it was time to pull it out again. And then for uh, game nights for for my family, uh, we played the oh yes, tell we played the crew a little bit more. We played some mahjong. We played a bunch of Tichu, but by far the game that we have played the most during this past week has been Ricochet Robots. It oh, is I love that game. Such a good game. Such a good game. And my daughter is the one in in our family that is like my wife doesn't. My, my wife, if she has a choice between, uh, you know, playing a game or doing anything else, she'll probably choose the do anything else. But <laughs> if anybody says, let's play a game, she's she's right in, except for Tichu. Right. Tichu is her game. Right. Tichu, she sure, loves. Sure, and, sure. and when we talk about cooperative yes. gaming, we, we will talk about why that is. Um, yes, and we've mentioned before that we share that quality in our wives. My wife also plays Tichu constantly on her phone. There you go. Exactly right. And just yells at Becky all the time. <laughs> um, the so the but the kids 
you know, so Leia, is, my daughter, is the one who is like, I don't really want to play. Like, she has like two games she likes, and then the rest she has, she has to be dragged into playing. And mm-hmm. uh, but now, but Ricochet Robots is one of those games for her, and she has been asking for it every day. I come home, and she's like, "Can we play a game?" And when I hear when I hear the one person in the family who's le- least likely to say that phrase says, "Can we play a game?" Oh, it just warms the cockles of my heart. I'm just all It's like in. little little angel babies blowing their horns. A little bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Cherubs, uh, per se. Exactly. Some Seraphs. cherubs over your Seraphs. shoulder. Um, the, and the deal is, is we don't play it once. We go through a game really quick now because they're really getting good. And That's so great. So we play that game four or sometimes five times in a row, back to back to back. And sometimes we realize the board is too easy because there are too many, you know, answers that are like only mm. four or five robot moves. And so we're like, let's stop the game. Let's change the board up. We got to make the board harder for us. They are so fast now that it is amazing. If there is a if there's an answer that is four or, or five, three seconds after that after that uh, token flips up, somebody's yelling at that number. And generally, it's both right. of them at the same time yelling out that number. They're getting like 19s in like in less than a minute. They're coming up with a, a solution wow. that's 19. They are formidable. And it's uh, that's amazing, man. You're a family full of game brains. Yeah, kind of. I guess. Yeah, I guess a little bit. But we're having, we're having a lot of fun with that game. It's such a good, good game. It really is. Well, uh, anywhere you can grab fun these days at home, I mean, you just got to chase that for all it's worth. Oh, no kidding. No kidding. And I got uh, I got Everdell back. Um, uh, Matt and I did a little game exchange, and I got uh, I, I got Everdell back. So I'm looking forward to um, playing that with the family a little bit. Is that the one with the little cute bunnies and the amazing little pieces that look like real amber and real twigs and it, stuff? Exactly right. Yes. Oh, I love that game. Such a good game, right? So good. I think that's going to be great for the family. That's going to be in, in I, I would say, two or three more years. That'll be a good game for your family. I think so, too. I, I already kind of explained it the first time I ever showed you. You showed it to me at game night, however long ago it was. And I came home the next day and I was like telling my kid and he immediately wanted to play it. He was like, oh, my God, that sounds so cool. So I think you're right. Love it. Love it. Awesome. Uh, let, let's just jump right into the news, shall we? We have we actually have a, a, a not a small amount of news this week, which is, uh, All right. which is exceptional. Here we go. First bit of game news. Uh, last week's episode, I, we were waxing uh, nostalgic about Democker, and I was talking about how I've owned every edition of Democker except the super <laughs> hard to find blue cover first edition Democker. Only printed in Germany, only printed a few copies. Um, there was a, uh, a listener from East Germany or eastern part of Germany, I guess, because East Germany is no longer a country. No, that's not a thing anymore. Who said, <laughs> I, <laughs> who said I will track one down and uh, and ship it to you if, you if you pay for it, let me know. And I was like, oh, that is amazing. That is awesome. Let me just do my own due diligence because it's been a while since I used to search for it, you know, three or four times a year. I would go and, and check all the places that you look for to find rare games. Sure. And I found one i found one under a hundred dollars i found one it was like 75 bucks or something like that it, it the was holy grail crazy partially unpunched oh my 
goodness, I have it in my hot little hands. It is gorgeous. It is amazing. I posted a picture of it. I am in heaven. So, so thank you, thank you, thank you for for uh, uh, wanting to help me out with this. But I now have it. I now have my. Uh, th- this is one of my big Grail games. Now I got the first edition of Demacher. Super, super. And I'm sad. glad to say that since uh, since the last time we played, I played it with you. You you taught me that. That was I think two, maybe the second game night before. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you I, enjoy it? Yeah, it. I did. I enjoyed it very much. It's a crazy good game. It's a crazy. Yeah, it was one of those ones that I could see right away. There was so much more to learn, like just instantly. It is. It's 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 an astonishingly well made game. And even though your first couple plays, you realize, oh, I'm still kind of scratching the surface. It's all there. Like you can see mm-hmm. everything that you can do. You understand. It's it's pretty intuitive in terms of understanding how everything works together. It's just. How do I? How do I keep? How do I keep all of the different parts moving to get this mm-hmm. to get this uh, political campaign going? Right? It's amazing. Yep, absolutely love it. Um, interesting news out of the Hong Kong Stock Exchange. Simon. Oh yes. Simon is uh, is in a little bit of trouble. It would seem they are listed on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange. Simon Games, of course, is a company that makes a lot of um, well, I guess miniature games is what they specialize in. But some uh, non miniature games that we like quite a bit, uh, uh, they make as well. They have. Uh, been under uh, their, their their stock is suspended on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange, and evidently there were audit issues that are going to delay their annual report for 2019. Uh, essentially, there's about 1.5 million dollar distribution agreement that is uh, one of the parts of the problem. Um, there were prepayment balances. It's a whole bunch of thing. The thing that that drew a lot of people's eye was. There was a thing in the in the, in the listing of why it was taken. It was trading was suspended. That there was an audit that includes a going concern. Now, I didn't know what a going concern meant. I didn't know what that was code for. But evidently, there were a bunch of people that were like, when they say going concern, what that means is there is a concern by auditors whether or not this company is going to be is going to remain solvent. Is this company uh, even going to continue to exist? Well, it. it so happens that this morning, this morning, Simon uh, gave a little April update, and they explained what the going concern is. I mean, they, they obviously heard a lot of people talking about it, and so they wanted to say, um, according to them, this is according to Simon. So take everything with a with a grain of salt, but it does. What, they're, what they explain the situation is kind of makes sense to me. So hopefully it's not them just spinning it. It could be. It could be them just spinning it. But what they're saying is is um, they received uh, record funds from Kickstarter uh, this year and that uh, there are 37 Kickstarter projects that they have fulfilled. Um, they, they The new Kickstarter projects come in. They 
have to list them in a weird way when they're accounting for them because they're listed both as an asset because they got all this money in from Kickstarter, but they also have to list them as a liability because these are things that are unfulfilled and require, you know, they require capital outlay to finish up, right? So they're just saying it's bookkeeping. They're saying it's a. They're like saying that worry. the we that just need to the going concern know, like, has to do with the fact that uh, this is an odd business model and that it doesn't that it's not what it looks like. That to, it just has to do with the fact that they have all of these Kickstarter campaigns that um, that read weird on a balance sheet, but it's uh, but the, it's right. totally well. The, hopefully, that's the truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, they have a game called Starcadia Quest that is fully shipped and out to banker uh, uh, to backers. Uh, Blood Rage Digital um, is coming out. Uh, Munchkin Dungeon, Project Elite, Marvel United. They, they've got a lot of games. Zombicide, a lot of games that are gearing up and, and getting ready. Look, we've talked about how for the friendly local game stores, this is a hard time in the business. We should also say that this is a hard time in the business for everybody, that even the mm-hmm. larger larger companies, even publicly traded companies could be in a lot of trouble. Um, Simon it, it may not make a, a, a ton of the games that we talk about, but um, they've, they've, certainly made, uh, they've certainly made some of our favorite games. I believe Lorenzo... We don't want anybody going under. We want these people making more games. I mean, Sheriff of Nottingham. Of not. we've shot, Sheriff of Nottingham. We've played many times. That's a mm-hmm. that that's one of their games. Ethnos. We we really like that game. The Grizzled. They, they've done a lot of good games, uh, and we hope that they are able to stay in business. Uh, next up, little convention. Well, yeah, I mean, especially now. Go ahead, Go ahead please. Sorry, Let's say it again. Especially now. No, I was just saying, especially now, especially now when, you know, families are at home and need good games to play. Um, you know, totally. no, let's let's keep them. Keep those games coming. Totally. Gaming convention news. Uh, Origins. We talked about Origins uh, a few weeks ago. We talked about how um, there were a bunch of people that were saying, why haven't they canceled their their convention yet? And they said, well, we can't cancel the convention until it becomes clear that the, the, it is going to be canceled by force majeure, right? It, it, it's not until the state says you can't have your convention that then they can cancel things because if they do it before then, the hotel isn't going to give them refunds. No one's going to give them refunds on, on their expenses. Well, it turns out that they have not canceled their convention, they have instead wow. moved it. The convention, which is normally uh, for the middle of June, is now going to be held in the Greater Columbus Convention Center, same place as always, on October 7th to the 11th, 2020. So, people... Well, your fingers crossed that by then people are gathering. That's the, that's the calculus. That's the calculus. It creates some issues. It creates some issues. Here's here's some of the issues with this. Issue number one is people that bought their tickets. Does this mean you can't get refunded? Does this mean you suddenly have mm-hmm. to try and, and make October work? What if October doesn't work for you? Uh, that that could be a problem, right? Uh, here's, yeah. the, here's the other big problem. The biggest board game convention in the world is Essen. As you remember, Trey and uh, I do. Matt and I went to Essen just a few years back. Um, 
it's within two weeks of this date. It is right. just two weeks away from Origins. I do not know how many of these people that spend so much of their year getting ready for Essen are going to be able to turn around and also do Origins. I have a feeling. Sure. Now, Origins does role-playing. They do LARPs. They do all sorts of uh, miniature. They do all sorts of gaming, not just board gaming. So that aspect might not be a major, major part of their experience. It's definitely not a small part of their experience, though. And their board gaming might take a hit because of how close it is to Essen. We'll have to, we'll have to see how it pans out. But there could be a lot of people that were planning on going to Origins uh, for the board gaming that uh, might, might now have to make a, a pretty difficult choice in terms of Essen. You know, honestly, these last couple of weeks, I feel like I'm in one of your games that you designed where <laughs> we're all locked indoors and it's a pandemic. And, you know, there's all kinds of rules, of rules that you have to figure out as you go. And um, it's it's for real. It's really, really funny. Oh, man. I'm telling you. It, listen, we don't even know if Essen is going to happen. We have no idea. Yeah, for real. Everything is so up in the air right now. But uh, yeah, the whole world is on pause right now. It's exactly right. It's exactly right. My my daughter has this summer camp that she goes to where she gets to ride horses and do all sorts of, oh, of wow. crazy stuff like that. And now for the first time, she's going to be able to go for two sessions instead of one. And she was just mm. crying yesterday because she's like, "There's a chance I'm not going to be able to go, isn't there?" And I was like, "Oh, sweetie, yeah, there's a chance you might not be able to go, but it's a long way off still, and a lot can happen." So. Mm-hmm. That's not, true. Right. All it takes is one genius to make some discovery and be like, boom, did it. Right. Uh, I, what did I say? I said, worry is paying uh, is paying interest on a bill that may never come due. There you go. And she thought about that for a while, and she's like, okay, yeah, I guess that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, she was not as impressed with that bit of wisdom, but, you know. Sure. That's all right. Yeah, she's thinking about her ponies. I get it. I get it. I totally get it. It's just the way it is. Um, we it. have an interesting game coming out. David Turksey. David Turksey is a, a good designer. He, he designed Cerebria. He designed Anachrony. He designed a lot of very interesting games. And he's got an Incan Empire game coming out that, boy, oh, boy, it sounds very interesting. I'm going to try to pronounce it right now. Uh, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> okay. Tawantinsuyu. That sounds that sounds exactly right. T a w a n t i n s u y u, all one word. Tawantinsuyu. the Incan Empire. Don't know a ton about it. Rolling down the cigarette steps. <laughs> it is, yeah. It, it's going to be. It's going to sort of have a a hill in the center of. It. I'm not sure if it's an actual hill or a or a stepped looking hill but it's going to be a worker placement game um there are going to be a a few resources that you're going to be collecting potatoes corn stone and gold you're going to be constructing buildings stairs you're going to be sculpting statues uh collecting weavings expanding your military strength uh there it's a worker placement game and there are several different workers there are uh, warriors there are craftsmen there are architects there are couriers and there are priests the warriors seem to remove adjacent workers, so it does seem like it will have a little <laughs> a little take that. It'll have yep. a little a little player versus player, which is a, a um, let's put it this way: there are several games that in this space we can think of. We can t- think of Zolkin. We can think of uh, Teotihuacan. Uh, so this is a game in the same genre as as those games, but. 
David Turksey, you know, uh, Anachrony is an amazing game. Cerebria is a brilliantly designed game. This is a serious, serious designer. And if he thinks he's got something new to add to to this area, to this uh, to, to this theme, I'm really looking forward to it. We don't have a lot of information about it. He says it's going to come out in 2020. We have no information about that. Nobody, as we just said, nobody knows. But uh, do you remember playing uh, um, Teotihuacan or Zulkin? Yeah, I, I well, not Zulkin, but I do the other one. Yeah. Okay. If you haven't played Zulkin, we got to play Zulkin at some point. It's, I feel like that was way back in the past before I was part of it. So I don't know if it's come out in a that, while. That could be. That could be. Yeah. It, it has a, it has the interlocking gears that you put your guys on these gears and then the whole gear turns. So everybody moves. It's very interesting. Oh, that's awesome. I want to try that. Yeah. We're, we're going to have to get into that sometime. All right. Next up, Moonshine Empire. Now I'm going to be a little careful uh, touting Moonshine <laughs> Empire uh, because Moonshine Empire is by uh, two designers that basically haven't designed anything before and it is a self-published game but <laughs> it looks it looks cool it looks kind of adorable doesn't it these little these little boats and everything the whole thing looks awesome it looks a little bit like roads and boats because you have these like uh, little little uh, pickup trucks and you got yeah. little boats and you're sort of, you know, you're, you're going out into the swamp, you know, building a still and delivering yeah. your moonshine. It's got a Duck in. Dynasty kind of vibe. Yeah, doesn't it? So it I don't totally know. This, does. I don't know if this game is going to be any good, but the idea of a moonshine game where it's sort of a pick up and deliver efficiency puzzle. Yeah sounds really interesting so I, I, I mean even the artwork is like a chicken daisy dukes you know what i mean and like a guy with a pitchfork so yes yes now looking at the components you know i don't know if these components are prototype components or not some of them look great some of them don't look great so you know who knows we we, we don't know much about it other than you know if you find yourself at a convention and somebody's playing moonshine empire sit down and try it you know i wouldn't i wouldn't necessarily kick it but uh, it did kick very quickly. It kicked in one day, I believe. So yeah, fu- uh, funded in one wow. day. So and they've uh, never done anything, and they had that in one day. That's amazing. Yeah, well, it's it's it looks kind of cool, as you said, and it's yeah, got an interesting theme. We are not endorsing making your own moonshine, by the way. No, 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 no. Jake, have your eyebrows grown back from when you tried? <laughs> yeah, just one. Very unfortunate. Um, Very unfortunate. Yes, indeed. Uh, Tales from the Loop. All right. So there is a television show out right now called Tales from the Loop. I watched the pilot. I thought it was quite good. It was sort of a um, a non-sinister Twilight Zone, I would say, is a, is a good description of it. It is, um, it is based on the artwork by a guy named, I believe his name is uh, Simon Stalenhag. Uh Basically, he is a... Uh, Scandinavian artist who drew these amazing, amazing pictures of normal suburban life in Sweden or one or, or one of those Norse countries in which there are these huge fantastical things like uh, huge. They look like robot towers almost. Yes, 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 and there are there are mechs sometimes that are you know mm-hmm. there's a mech sitting on a station wagon and uh, you know it's it's just sort of kids going out with with their sleds or walking through the forest yeah. and having all these fantastical things happening around them and. Those pictures were so evocative that it turned into a lot of different things. There is a wow. role-playing game called Tales from the Loop. 
that was, I think, one of the first iterations of it. There is now a television series, Tales from the Loop, and there is coming a board game called Tales from the Loop, the board game. Martin uh, Takaichi is the designer, and uh, one of the artists is uh, Simon Stalinhog, and uh, it looks like it's going to have some pretty these, interesting looking these, minis right yeah the minis look pretty dope i gotta say uh, they they have a little they like some of them look kind of mech feel but also this one looks kind of like a what is that a little dinosaur or some kind of weird raptor thing it does look like that doesn't it yeah i'm in i don't uh, even know what it is but i like that mixed genre of just like normal world but guess what not normal yeah, it's 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 odd when I look at the the, the prototype. You know, it, they they don't show what some of the they show some of the art and they don't show some of the art. The characters appear to be just cardboard characters on standees, and then there are yeah. miniatures. And to me, that look isn't so great. That kind of it kind of clashes because one is highly abstract and one is, is almost photorealistic. And, and I agree with you. It looks half finished almost. It's like, why couldn't they have picked one? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not crazy about that, but listen, it's pledge goal was 50,000 and it's up to 150,000 right now. So it's, it's doing pretty great. 26 days to go on Kickstarter. Hey, take a look at it on Kickstarter. If, if you're really into this and into this world, maybe this is something. Yeah. It looks pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. Next up, we have uh, one more bit, bit of Kickstarter news. Uh, Phil Eklund has uh, decided that he is going all in on a Kickstarter. He's got a Kickstarter that is selling PAX Viking, PAX Renaissance, mm-hmm. and High Frontier for All Module 3 Conflict. All right, so here's the thing. So... $25,000 goal, $156,000, super, super kicked. 16 days to go. Here's the thing. So we've talked about the PAX games before. The first PAX game was PAX Porfiriana, which was a Phil Eklund design. Uh, I love the PAX games. Maddie loves the PAX games. PAX Premier, I think, is our, our current favorite. I personally still go back to the original PAX Porfiriana as my favorite. PAX Renaissance is an amazing game. We reviewed it. We tell you, it is crazy, crazy good. This second edition, PAX Renaissance, is going to be in a bigger box, better components, and a streamlined rule system. Uh, it's, a, it's a little bit of a bear to learn, so hopefully this will help. Um, PAX Viking is a brand new game that is supposed to be a lighter entry-level PAX game, which... Oh, that's cool. When you talk about Phil Eklund, I don't know what entry-level means. It, <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, potentially, that sounds intriguing to me. Uh, but then he bundles it with High Frontier for All Module 3 Conflict, which is only useful to you if you already have High Frontier for All. Now, I have That's two different editions of High Frontier. It's one of my favorite games. Nobody but my son will play it with me. <laughs> it is, you know, Phil Eklund was a uh, JPL uh, rocket scientist, essentially, for 30 years, and then put all of that 30 years of uh, information and love into his game about exploring our solar system uh, in a as realistic a system as possible. And it is a mm. dense, 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 complicated uh, game that I absolutely love. Uh, but I don't have High Frontier for All. I didn't, you know, I, d- I didn't yet again buy the game all over again. And I don't think this module is going to work with with what I have. 
the other thing is, I have to say, I do have a little bit of a problem sometimes uh, wrapping my head around giving Phil Eklund more money, buying things from Phil Eklund. Um, we've talked about this before. He is a guy that has some very interesting ideas about things. He is, uh, I would put him, he's, he's kind of hardcore Ayn Rand uh, uh-huh. devotee. Um, he is, yeah, 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 a climate denier and all, all kinds of things. And in these these games, a lot of these games that are about historical periods, he writes these treaties at the end, treatises at the end mm-hmm. of them, which sort of go into him just spouting his theory. And uh, Maddie and I have a really fun time just reading them and, and shooting each other our favorite quotes from them because they're patently ridiculous on the face of it. Right. Um, but he's know. got a pretty wicked handlebar mustache. I got to give him that. <laughs> Yeah, it feels 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 right for. Uh, Looks like you could just do chin ups on that thing. Yeah, it's it's pretty extreme. Uh, that said, here's the thing: so you can buy these things individually. You can buy them all together. You can you, you can get what you want. I think it is um, seventy four dollars. Nope, seventy four dollars doesn't get it all. Okay, it is. Oh, what is it? I'm trying to look. I'm, I'm looking scrolling at all the through. Levels. The first number here says 64, but I think that's just for... Just for Viking. Yeah, just 60, for Viking. And 64 just for Renaissance. $14 just for the module for High Frontier. So uh, it's not like it's all bundled up and you have to get it all together. You can you can get them as, as separate parts. Um, listen, if you don't have... Uh, if you like the PAX games... And you do not have Pax Renaissance. I recommend getting Pax Renaissance. It is right. a great game, and I would probably pay play uh, Pax Premier and Pax Porphyriana before I play Pax Renaissance. But it's like it's like different flavors of ice cream. It's not like right. it's it's not like one is so superior to to the others. I think Pax Renaissance is still a very good game, and I'm intrigued to play Pax Viking. I really want to try it. Uh, like I, I would love to introduce uh, Pax Viking to you. You've played some of the Pax games, and and you know I have, yeah, yeah. You felt you felt I think they were they're, thick, right? For me personally, they're 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 great examples of actually something I was saying before is like I, I instantly saw how deep and how broad they could go, and one play was never going to do it, and I never really get more than one play, or anyway, very rarely. Yeah. So I kind of just like put it in that category of my mind of like, okay, this is a really smart game that I'm not going to probably think about ever again but uh but yes i I could see right away that it's uh it's 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 pretty it's pretty impressive well maybe viking is for you then maybe i'm I'm always down to try something new even if it is something that i i know will be something i don't get to fully explore okay and i'm I'm gonna take it that you're a no on high frontier (laughs) you know i (laughs) i'm always looking i'm always looking for somebody you know, I like I like pretty much everything. I like to just dip my toe in all of these different waters and see which speaks to me. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm a Viking fan. I think I'd I'd like to try that. All right, all right, good to know. Uh, let's move from Vikings to pirates. Forgotten Yay. Waters. Forgotten Waters is a game that is uh, still available for pre-order as of today, and should be for a little while. It is put out by Plaid Hat Games. Plaid Hat Games is a company that uh, that, that we believe in supporting. Uh, 
mostly because they left Asmodee. They were part of the the which is quickly becoming the evil empire of Asmodee and have set out on their own. <laughs> and uh, we want to support the Rebel Alliance whenever we can. Um, sure. That said, I also say that support this game because it sounds like it might be a good pirate game. And I've been on record many times saying I would love there to be a good pirate game, a pirate game that I could really get behind. Maracaibo was not it. I'm still waiting for the, the great pirate game. Forgotten right. Waters is a Crossroads game. A Crossroads game is a reference to, I believe the first Crossroads game was Dead of Winter. I might be wrong that it's the first, but it, uh, Dead of Winter is definitely a Crossroads game. Um, Jake, did you ever play Dead of Winter with us? It's, Remind me. It's sort, of a, it's, it's sort of a zombie game where, where we're all kind of working together, you know, barricading up shelters in this cold yes. environment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I did. I did play that one. You flip over story cards and, yes, and different things Yes, absolutely. Sure, sure. Right? Yeah. Matter of fact, I think we'll be talking about that today because we're, mm. uh, we're talking about cooperative uh, gaming. And, and that is a semi-cooperative game, much like Battlestar Galactica, in which one person could be a traitor and working against you. Everyone else is kind of working together but they do have their own individual goals forgotten waters is a crossroads game which means it is going to be telling a story there are going to be 30 lush locations to uh, to look at there are different captains that you can be that, that you can be playing um and the design team is you know has a lot of people that were working on dead of winter and ashes rise of the phoenix born if you if you know that i remember standing in a line for about an hour trying to buy it for maddie because he was in a different line at gen con waiting to get his uh i think it was game of thrones cards at the time <laughs> so um mm -hmm. so uh, these guys are these guys are good uh isaac vega in particular is a good designer and their inspiration is, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean, their, you know, Treasure Island. And uh, I, I like it. It sounds interesting. I would seriously, seriously consider it. And I like uh, the artwork. It looks pretty, looks pretty cool. Like the, the island on the back of this giant sea turtle serpent thing. That yeah, neat. right? Isn't that kind of cool? Totally. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, the board the board looks you know it looks like there are hexes, so the board is going to change each and every time. You know where where the the uh, what we call it where the the islands are going to be and which island is going to mm -hmm. be where. Uh, it looks like everyone has a player board where you're going to be keeping track of the stats of your particular ship or your or the crew members that you pick up and things like that. Yeah, it looks cool, looks and cool. I know it's not as important to some as others, but the artwork always is a big draw for me. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Yeah yeah! No no no! We we we, you and I discussed this the last time we talked. Where you're big into did, laser yeah. sharking, and I am not. I'm anti laser sharking. <laughs> if in this game, if the pirates had laser swords, you would be all in. Yep. yep. That's right. <laughs> I have no problem with that. <laughs> uh, the game is about sixty bucks, and uh, it is orderable right now. And uh, guess what? Free shipping in the contiguous U.S. And last but not least in the news, we don't tell you guys to subscribe to our Patreon because we don't have a Patreon yet anyway. Who knows? Maybe you never know what's going to happen. <laughs> never know what's going to happen in the future. But we don't have anything like that right now. We have only said twice on this podcast to rate and review us. Um, we, we try to keep this down. We, we try to be a very casual uh, uh, podcast, but right now 
this is consider this the horn that we are blowing to the four corners of the geek globe asking you for your help we are at the golden geek awards board Yay. game geek boardgamegeek.com has once a year the golden geek awards this is the academy awards for the hobby people and they have many different categories for golden geek awards one of them is podcast best podcast you guys every single listener could go if you chose to could go to board game geek if you have a board game geek account you sign in and then you go to the golden geek awards uh, boardgamegeek.com forward slash geek awards forward slash board game and then you would select podcast scroll down until you get to game brain and select game brain for best podcast. This is nominations. This isn't even choosing who's going to win or whatever, but you can choose us to be in the best podcast category. Even being nominated in the best podcast category would, you know, it's something tons of people notice. Uh, it's something tons of people see and really would create a, uh, a new group of people that would come and check out our podcast. You know, we've been, t hopefully you've been telling people to, to listen to us. We've been telling people to listen to us. This is going to reach a much bigger audience than anything else, any single thing anybody could do. So yes. And if I could just chime in on this as well, as the casual gamer, yes. I, I have something that I will admit, I won't say I'm ashamed of it, but I will admit that I had never been on boardgamegeek.com before because <laughs> I'm the casual gamer and I don't do research or like look at it afterwards. But when I found out this was happening, of course, I signed up, I made an account. It was very easy, even for, you know, someone such as myself who the internet does not like and it Jake, couldn't did, be simpler um we and we would really appreciate it i, I think everything tom said is, is spot on jake uh, um did you not know what your skype name was for for this call today? <laughs> it's true when tom and i were talking before setting this up he was like all right cool all i need is your skype name so i was like oh cool i'll just go find out what that is because i had no idea <laughs> um but surprise surprise you know what my name was jake spiro just my name there Easy. you go Oh, you're going to be getting some calls now, Jake. That was a big mistake. Um, no, that's all right. I'm always here. How long Feel How long peeps. did it take you to sign up for a new Board Game Geek account? Um, two, second, two to five seconds. Two to five Couldn't seconds, ladies and gentlemen. Two to five seconds. Do you like the podcast? It was the click of a button. It was literally the click of a button. If you would, if you would be so kind, if every listener would just pause the podcast right now, go to BoardGameGeek.com and sign up for an account if you need to. Uh, by the way, they don't ever send you anything. No emails, no, no nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing ever comes to you. I haven't received anything yet. Nothing. Radio silence. And just vote for Game Brain for Best Podcast. It would be tremendously appreciated. Thank you. That's it. I'm not going to say anymore. I feel like I feel like I've uh, flogged this horse enough. <laughs> Let's yeah, uh, tooting our own horn a bit, but that's okay. I think we just yeah. We, we, we saved it up all year waiting for a moment like this where we could really hit people with it. So hopefully... Absolutely. There's nothing wrong. Yeah. Hopefully you guys tolerated that. We appreciate it very much. Let's talk games on the brain. Games. Games on the brain. These are games we like to play. These are games stuck on our brains. Oh, baby. Jake, what's on your brain right now? <laughs> <laughs> right. Right? Still, uh, it kills my, me every time. I will tell you. Yeah, I will tell you what's on my on my, my mind right now about Game Brain. So in my world these days, um, 
as we were saying before, it's just all output energy for, you know, from, from dad to son. And at the end of my day, after my wife goes to sleep, if I can still keep my eyes open, uh-huh. I like to sit down in front of the Xbox and I have been playing two games on there. Both are very completely without choosing it this way, post-apocalyptic. Really? And they seem very apropos. Yes, one is called Remnant, which is a um, three-player game, which was uh, introduced to me by one of my buddies who lives far away. And it's a chance for to you know speak and play at the same time. And you're, you're basically just going through this post-apocalyptic world shooting aliens or something. It doesn't even really matter. But it, the graphics are insane, and it's almost peaceful in a way because it's a very empty world. There's not like things happening all around you. Um, it's a very open world environment. And uh, for some reason, it's just calm and mellow and a chance to, for me more than anything, just talk to my buddies. Nice. Uh, and the other game that I've uh, been playing is um, an oldie but a goodie Fallout 4, which I had never really gotten into. Uh, I got it when it came out and then, it, you know, life ran away and there was no time for something like that. And I log into that and I'll play it for, I don't know, half hour, 45 minutes. And I'm not even really playing the game it's kind of just like an escape from one reality into another oh, yeah. um which i find refreshing these days stay away from those minutemen they're bad news yes yeah the minutemen no that you know it's so funny that those are the two games i into considering the world we're in isn't so far away from them but uh i don't i don't mind i i think it re- refreshes and reboots for a, a new day oh that's great i think that's really awesome yeah um, for me, what's on my brain right now, I am thinking about, uh, I'm actually thinking a bunch about Clans of Caledonia. I don't know if it's because we just played Glenmore, which is a very thick Scottish theme. Um, and because Elder, you know, the professor's got this thing where he mentions something and I suddenly can't get it out of my head. And I'm just thinking about it all the time. Like, for some reason, his brain thinks about games that I haven't thought about it in a long time. And the moment he brings them up, it's all I can think about. So mm-hmm. Clans of Caledonia is a game that uh, we played at the at Essen the year we went to Essen. And it was a game that um, basically Terra Mystica came out. And everybody was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And then the next year, year and a half after whatever, two games came out right afterwards, which were Gaia Project and Clans of Caledonia. And both are basically cribbing from the idea of Terra Mystica, the idea that Mm. uh, each person is going to play a person that has a different power or a different starting condition, and so they play the game a little differently than everybody else. You are building things off of your board, and as you pull things off of your board, various different types of things off of your board, you're unlocking an economy in uh, in your game which is really, really great. At the end of the day, Gaia Project ended up becoming one of my top 10 games of all time. Glenn, uh, not Glenmore, uh, Clans of Caledonia is the one that just kind of fell away. But it's better. It's better than, I mean, it's not better than Gaia Project, but it's better than Terra Mystica. It's an amazing game. And Elder just put it in my head that, you know, maybe I want to review that. Or maybe I want to do that. And I'm like, oh, what a... 
Elder's so good at that. He's so good at it. He was like, oh, you know, maybe we should review War and Labora. I'm like, I'd love to review War and Labora. I haven't played it in 10 years. <laughs> play it. And I'm like, oh, I just, all I want to do is play War and Labora now. And I think that that uh, awesome. Clans of Caledonia is going to be the same thing. I'm going to be getting right back into that. So we'll see. There's a good chance that the next review you hear from me will be of, will be Clans of Caledonia, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. It is. Well, I'll be listening. Looking back at it, it is a really, really sharp, smart design with a lot of great, great decisions that went in there. Um, update on the eight by eight challenge, Jake. How many how many things do you think we did on the eight by eight challenge? I'm gonna say nothing. Yeah, you're correct, sir. You're correct, sir. <laughs> Not a darn thing. Not, Not a, a darn gosh thing. darn thing. Nope, 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 nope. Look, we get, we're we're doing things, people. We're playing games. We're we're getting yeah, out there. We're, we we're... don't need extra pressure in these days. These exactly. dark days. We're gonna give ourselves a pass. <laughs> exactly. Let's get to it. Let's get to the review of the day. We are reviewing a game called Glenmore 2 Chronicles. It is a 2019 release. The designer is Matthias Kramer, and the artist is Jason Coates, and it is put out by a relatively new concern, Fun Tales. Fun Tales. And uh, I'm going to let Jake explain kind of what the game is. Jake. All right. Tell us. Yeah. So the the idea, the, the theme that always speaks to me first is you're in you're in the Scotland and you're you're trying to make whiskey. You're trying to make big casks of whiskey, and uh, you're also building your own. I guess I want to call it a village or a town. Yeah. And it starts off with a castle card that you're given, and. There's a very interesting way that you acquire more components that build your zone. Um, say better using the right terminology and all that, but essentially, it, it also dictates your turn taking because you're you're on this sort of circular roundabout, um, and and it, you're all lined up, and there are the cards laid out in front of everyone, and whoever is last gets to to move ahead to the next spot or well, not the next spot whichever next spot they want in the entire round um, um and how, how it dictates your, your turn taking is if you only move a little bit you might be able to go go more uh, more soon than soon than if you had gone all the way around and have to wait for everyone else to catch up to you Correct. um which is a very interesting quality i don't think i'd ever seen that in a game before i'm sure maybe tom has but um for um, for me, that was a new thing. Yeah, uh, and essentially, like you know, you're trying to you're trying to get your your resources. Um, this way, each card comes with either a cost or a benefit, and um, there are character cards, and then there's this whole other section where you can um, also get get bonuses and things that you acquire off of the cards. Um, Tom, what am I what am I forgetting? I'm forgetting. I hope I haven't I mean, been that's, too that's broad. That's pretty good. You, you, you did pretty darn good. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, we start with a we, we start with uh, two squares. That is our village and our castle. Right. And village on also. and on the right. and on the central board. It, it's it, you could think of it like a monopoly board in some ways because it is a square. And the square is made up of all different little squares. And if, you put, and if we put each of our four pieces on one of those first four squares, the person who is the farthest back is the current player. And they exactly. can move. That's what I meant to say, yeah. No, no, it's great. No, it's exactly right. And you can move as far ahead as you want. And wherever you land, you're going to take the tile. So imagine if Reading Railroad 
isn't a isn't a space, but is a tile. And when you go there, mm-hmm. you pick up that tile, you put your piece down where that tile was, and then you put that tile somewhere in your village. It could be next to your castle, it could be under your village, it could be on top of your village, you know, above your village and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, and, and, and as it gets more complex, there are certain requirements for where you can put them. You can't just put them anywhere. I mean, those are sure. little details, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, you can only put it next to where you have a Scotsman. You start, mm-hmm. start off with one Scotsman in your village, and um, when you put a tile down, that tile activates. So let's suppose yeah. you that you had a uh, forest there. You're going to get a wood on that forest. Yeah. If, if you had a distillery, if somewhere else you have uh, wheat, you're going to be able to turn that wheat into a cask of uh, of the drop of the pure of the whiskey. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's an interesting worker placement kind of model. The way you get the guys and the way you move them around and how that lets you grow your spot. It's it's very interesting. Yeah, yeah, and it's got some it's got some intricacies because um, village spaces. So when you activate a space, you don't just activate that space, but you activate every space that it's touching diagonally and or right. diagonally. Everything around that space activates. So if you put the right thing in the right place at the right time. You can create a massive yeah, round where you get an aggregate windfall. Yeah. yeah, where I'm creating three different things and then I'm activating a space where I can turn in two of those things for seven victory points or things like that happen. Yeah, but Tom, tell them what happens if you get a little overzealous and build a giant place like I did our Ooh. first play in real time. Now, here's the great thing. Okay, so Jake said that you could go as far ahead as you want, right? But you don't mm-hmm. become the start player again until everyone is ahead of you. So if I go 10 spaces ahead and grab this thing, I might be waiting a while because everyone else, like the last person could potentially have five tiles between him and the next person. He could go to all of those and grab all those tiles. Now you might say, wow, that sounds like a huge advantage. Well, at the end of the game, whoever has the smallest village, whoever has the least number of tiles in their village gets minus zero. So they don't lose any points. Everybody else loses three victory points, which is not an insignificant amount of victory points. They lose three victory points for every tile they have more than the person who has the least. All right. The Scotland doesn't have a lot of land. All right. They don't want you overbuilding. Yeah. Right. We don't want your, we don't want your fancy, huge towns and your, your Costco's. <laughs> right. Well, also it forces you to be clever in your construction. You know, it makes you really consider where you put and what you put because I, I knew that rule going in the first time we played, but I built like a gigantic mass of land and I, it just completely wiped me out. There was nothing left. I think I might've even been negative because of it. Yeah. It, it's, it's a, it, it's one of those things that it is tough not to want to build, but keep an eye on everybody else. Now, there is something that you yep. can do besides just building because there are sometimes tiles out there that are famous personages. People mm-hmm. like William Wallace. People mm-hmm. like Robert the Bruce. Uh, people like all sorts of famous Scotsmen. Robbie Burns. People like that. When you grab one That's of those, that tile does not <laughs> add to your village. <laughs> uh, that tile instead goes beside you and then you get to place... A, one of your clan tokens out on the Scottish clan board. There's another central board that 
essentially is just a, a uh, how would you put that, Jake? How would you describe I, that? I would call it, um, it's kind of like a tree that builds that gives you yeah. um, just bonuses. It's really just a bonus tree that you can like really, it, I guess it kind of has an engine building component in a, in a way, but not really. But it's just another place where you can you can acquire bonuses for the game. Yeah, you could uh, you can go to one place and it's going to give you another Scotsman that you could put in your home castle, which is yeah. a good thing to do. It gives you money. And you can get resources, you can get, uh, I think actually some of them have powers, right? Letting you do other things you couldn't otherwise do. Yes, yes, some of them, some of them do give you minor game-breaking powers. They're, not, they're, never, they're never major ones. I mean, there's one, for instance, that allows you to get rid of a tile that you don't want anymore. Thereby yeah. reducing the, the total number of tiles you have. There are ones that are going to allow you to activate a building of this type or a building of this type that you have in your, in your village. Um, so, so various little bonuses you get from that. Now, there are four stacks of tiles. The A stack, the B stack, the C stack, and the E stack. There's actually some starter ones as well, but let's not, let's not count those. Yeah. When you no. get to the bottom of a stack, you have a scoring opportunity. And what we're going to score is we're going to score how many Scotsmen you have in your home castle. We're going to count how many special location cards you have. Some tiles come with a special location card that you get. And that location gives you an extra bonus. And in addition to that, it gives you points at the end of every round, potentially. Right? Uh, yes. The, and the and just really quickly, also, this is a, the, those four stacks is also kind of like the game clock. Yes. Yes. When you get to the... when. Uh, in the middle, somewhere in the middle of the fourth stack comes the end of the world card. And when, when that mm-hmm. tile, when that tile comes out into the game, once everyone has passed that tile, the game is over. Yeah. It's almost like each stack is an age in yes. a way. I mean, it, yeah, you know, a silly way to think of it, but that's sort of how I, I imagined it when we were going. It's not silly at all. I think that's exactly what it is. Yeah. I think that's exactly the way it's designed to be. Um, anyway, there are, there are several different things like whiskey barrels. Whoever has the most whiskey barrels is going to, and it's not whoever has the most. If Jake has zero whiskey barrels, I have two and Paul has five. I'm going to score two victory points because I have two more than the person who has the least. And Paul, who has five more, is going to score eight victory points. So it's one of those things where one if you have one more than the other person, you get one. You have two more than the other person, you get two. If you've got three, you're going to get five points or something along those lines. It's, it's that yeah, There's of a lot of little mechanics like that that force you to interact because otherwise it kind of could feel a little bit like just group solitaire where we're all building our own little thing and just moving around doing our own stuff. But if you're not paying attention to what the other person is doing, you're basically effed. Yeah, yeah, you, you want to you want to figure it out. It's like, okay, well, let's see. He has more of those people, the the famous personages, because that's another category that you get points for. So he's winning that right now. I think he's getting three points for that. So I could go and take this person, and if I take this person, then he's getting less points for that category. Or I have more Scotsmen in my castle than anybody else right now. Maybe I do this. That's going to get me another Scotsman who I can move into my castle, and I'm going to get even more points for that. You're trying to balance all of that. And in addition, yeah. as we said, there are tiles that are give you scoring opportunities that are on the yeah. board. There's tiles that, for yeah. instance... Yeah, go ahead, Jack. No, I was just going to say, and that thing about having your, your Scotsman in your castle is an interesting little way to reduce the size of your overall land as well, because you can only build a new piece if you've got a guy in adjacent piece. But if you've brought them all home, 
then you can't build from there because you've already uh, theoretically built a little bit around them. And if you bring them back to center, well, then you can't grow your, your world. Exactly, which is, which can become a real problem in the game. We've seen uh, yeah. I, I, a couple of games ago, I had a big, big problem with that where I was trying to score the, uh, get as many points as I could for having the guys in the castle. And then I realized, oh, I only have one place I can build now, and it is not where I want to build anything. And 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 I wasted yeah. wasted turns doing that. So sure, it's an intricate balance. It's interesting. Yeah, um, production values. What do you think of the the art and the way the game looks? I love it. I think for me, who really looks at that almost first, but before I even look at the gameplay, I absolutely two thumbs up. I think it's beautiful. I think the uh, the world you build when you just look down at it, it looks great. I like the way the tiles fit together. I like the the components. The barrels look like little diecast barrels. They're not mm. just little squares. I mean, some of some of the pieces are just little squares, and that can't be helped. But I, I really liked it. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, actually, I don't believe there are too many little squares. In the Tabletopia version, there were squares. In the actual oh, game, right. in the actual game, you you the the pieces look like the pieces. And as a matter of fact, they even have. If you remember, we we spent a lot of time putting stickers on the on, on the pieces. Like even even the the stone bricks. We You're one hundred percent right. Gray... I had gotten confused. Sorry, audience. And we most recently played it over the computer, and on the computer, it really makes them look like little pieces, little squares. But in person, they they really are beautiful little pieces. I, I had forgotten that. Yeah, even even your little Scotsman. The the four different col- player colors each have a different Scotsman uh, symbol, like a different tartan, yeah, yeah. A different tartan and a one, different plaid. One has a a shepherd's crook, one has a sword, uh, another one sort of is 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 striking a pose. They're all they're all different and, and unique in 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 kind of interesting ways. And yeah, they have these little stickers that go on them that all have their kilts on. So e- each and every piece in the game has a kilt, which is. It's cute as heck. It's really, it really is. Uh, I liked it. Yeah, it's a, it's a great detail. It's, it's good attention to detail, and it makes it more fun for some of us. And uh, the game is called Chronicles because you know it's not a legacy game, but it is a game that has eight or nine different modules that change the game subtly. What we described. Oh, I didn't know that. What, what we, we Which as, ones have we played with? Um, uh, let's see. What, what did you play with me last time? This, this one I th- we played on Tabletopia. We just played basic. Um, okay. did you ever play the one with me where we had little, little boats that we were racing around the rivers? Yes. Yes. That's right. That yes. was, that was great. Right. Yes. That was a really cool addition. I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the first Chronicle and I thought it was quite, it's kind of my, maybe my favorite. I thought that was really good. There's a chronicle in which the whiskey uh, distilleries change, where you swap out the the whiskey distilleries, and now you have these cards in front of you that are you're aging your whiskey and you're aging single malt whiskeys uh, for cool. p- potentially a lot of points, which was quite interesting. There was a Highlander one, which said there can be only one, which is kind of the <laughs> silliest of them, which all it is is it puts a little hill on that circular track that you're putting on and whenever you pass over the hill you have to leave one of your resources or a coin behind until eventually somebody takes a turn to go on top of the hill stand there take all of those resources and then and then keep going so so very simple i don't think any of these um modules are radical 
Uh, there's one that's about the history right. of Scotland, and that one is I haven't done that one yet. It's very intense. I think I've done five of the different chronicles because I wanted to, you know, to, to prepare for this review. I wanted to feel like we got a sense of what it is. Um, the two most involved ones are one called the Penny Mob and uh, another one called the History of Scotland. It's it's actually a huge long title, but it's sort of the the not quite official History of Scotland. And that one has got a lot of different rules and a lot of color text and a lot of uh, what you would call chrome uh, in a, in a war game. Chrome being these mm. tiny these tiny little historical rules that uh, are hard to remember but are uh, but make it feel more real and and more accurately reflect the the, the time. So that's one that one seems to have. Um, uh, yeah, I, I don't think that. It, and by the way, these chronicles are each in their own little tuck back box. The tuck boxes go into the inset of the game, which is a it's a it's a big box. Uh, they go mm-hmm. into the box in such a way that it looks like a library of books, and you're pulling out a book for this chapter of Scottish history, which is gorgeous. It really is. It's really stunningly beautiful and very well put together. Um, the reason this is called Glenmore Two is that there was a game called Glenmore. Glenmore mm-hmm. is a uh, a game that is also by Matthias Kramer. And it was a game from uh, 2010. I think I played it first in somewhere around 2012. So about eight years ago, I played it. And it's a fairly small box, small to medium box game. Um, It plays very much like this one does, only it doesn't have the famous personages. It doesn't have the the clan board and all that sort of stuff. Mm, It's more clean and clear in, in what it is. It's just about putting tiles down, building your things out. The tiles had roads on them and your movement. Mm-hmm. Roads were a complication in terms of where you could move and where you could not move and how you could move and how you could not move. So in that way, maybe a little bit better spatial puzzle. But mm-hmm. other than that, I think Glenmore, is, uh, Glenmore 2 is uh, a kind of superior in, in, in most other ways. I think it's... Uh, Really solid. Uh, what would you say the weight is for you, Jake? Where would you put this into light, medium, medium, heavy, heavy? Where would you put this? I'd put it it's sort of medium to medium heavy for me, though. And that I'm skewed because things that are light for some are medium for me. Yeah, I think this is, I mean, it's got a weight on the geek of 3.13. I think that's pretty much dead on in the sense that this is not a hard game to understand. It is not no, a but it's a it's a game that you can be, you know, in two different leagues. If I'm playing and like just head to head versus you, we're we're kind of in two different leagues just from where we're starting from. It, like it, it gives you the depth you can bring to it and and a complexity that you can bring to it that you don't need to have that. Like if there was two of me playing it, we'd have a great time. But um, <laughs> but yeah. It, <laughs> But uh, I like, you know, not to like get into scores or anything, but on this last Tabletopia game, there's a, there's a pretty big points at the end between, and I enjoyed it as much as I'm sure as the rest of you guys. But yeah, um, I, I yeah, got me, medium, medium heavy. <laughs> I got, I got, I got, I got fortunate with uh, with a couple of the things I got. I just ended up getting the right the, the right combination of things. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, uh, yes, it is a easy game to understand. It is an easy game to learn. Yep. The mechanics of the game are not yep. at all complex. Um, the decision space that you have and the things that you can do with that decision space, the the strategy of the game is 
significantly deeper than the rules explanation is, which is great, right? So I agree. I think it's a flat oh, yeah, out medium level game that ha- that is a, a lot deeper, and because of that, uh, that that's where I put elegance, right? A, an elegant game yes. is a game that is easy to understand, and yet it, within it, it contains multitudes. 100% agree. And by the way, not completely off topic, if people want to go and just Google Glenmore Forest Park, the, it's gorgeous. So I'm sure when the people who were building this game had ideas for inspiration, like the real place, I instantly want to go there. It looks so beautiful. Yeah, and, and let me just say something. Uh, we, we got this copy from Funtales. Funtales uh, um, was kind enough to send it to us. And uh, Funtales is a German company that is just entering the U.S. market. When uh, Trey and I saw this game at BGG Con in the hot games room, and we looked at we looked over the rules. We never actually got to play it. We, there were so many other things that we had, but we contacted Funtales. Then we met one of the I met one of the representatives, and I said, "Hey." Um, I liked the original Glenn Moore. What's the difference? And they talked to me. They talked to me about it, and I said, "Let us know if we can, you know, if we can check this out. I would like to review this." And he said, "Well, you know, we're not. We 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 haven't really geared up our American um, sales arm yet, and we really really want to. So we'd be very interested. Uh, so so just the audience knows, I'd love this game, but." Uh, this is a review copy, so keep that in mind. Jake didn't even know this was a review copy, so take his review. No, I had no at idea. Face, at face value. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no idea about that. But so thankful to them for sending it to us. I had a lot of, many hours of fun playing it. Yeah, uh, a lot of times on, on the uh, Somalia, we get requests for, okay, we got a, a slightly lighter group of gamers that are more, you know, newer into the thing. And, and what do you got that you know, that I'm going to enjoy, even though I like heavier games, but is also going to appeal to these people that, uh, you know, they, they're not going to, they're not going to sit around for a 45 minute rules explanation. I think yeah, Glenmore 2, Glen 2 is a great copy for that, right? Absolutely. Absolutely agree. Awesome. Jake, thanks so much. Let's talk about making friends with Jake. Jake, what's the, what's the topic? What are we going to be talking about today in your own words? Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks. Um, I, I was thinking about the differences in the relationships, the friendships that are forged either through cooperation or mm-hmm. competition. And this sort of rose out of um, my my growing love for my friends who I met through game night, which is all about competition. Or at least that's what I thought when I began this. Right. Um, I, I was thinking that you know, you, if, if you, the, many of my friendships are about mutual um, experiences, shared experiences, things that we both like, things that we can do together. You know, you go to the movies together, whatever it might be. And th- those are all about sort of cooperation. You're working together, together to have a good time. You know, you, you find things that you like to do mm-hmm. together. Oh, yeah. And that's a totally fine way to make friends. In fact, I think a lot of the, the childish kind of friends that we make when we're younger is all about what games can we do together? What things can we do together that we can make together? And as, as you get older, I think you start to learn that there is a great value in the relationships that revolve around competition um, because you're challenging yourselves. And that, that challenge not only tells you something about yourself, but it tells you about something about the person you're, you're, you know, competing with. Um, 
And I, I was thinking a lot about the games we play that sort of either are competitive or cooperative. And this is something that we had discussed um, offline beforehand, Tom, about uh, it, good examples. And the first one that, that came to mind when we were talking was the um, Battlestar Galactica, which, if I remember correctly, was the first game I had ever played of Euros at all, with the group at all, which is a bit of a uh, cooperative game. Oh, yeah. And, that was the game, that, was the game and, that I came over. That was the first time I met you and the first time exactly. that I met Matt. And I came over to, to you know, sort of run, run that game with you guys. That was the first teach I had ever gotten, um, which was from you, which remains my uh, one of my very fondest memories of of being part of this group. Is it's 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 just interesting to me, and I was thinking a lot about this, and I, I had yeah, I'm realizing that that competition in 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 our scenario is actually cooperation because we all agree to come together to compete. It's not like we're out on the street and some guy pulls a knife and now you got fight. You know, that's that's something that would be hard to make a friendship based on. Well, but that's, because that's we the problem agree with game with to Paul. come together. Yeah. <laughs> I was just saying I'm curious to see what your opinion is on the the idea that while we are competing, it's really cooperation at its heart because we're uh, we're agreeing to compete. Oh yeah. Yeah, we're we're all we're we're, we're agreeing to compete we're agreeing to get together at this time we're agreeing to play this particular game and there's oftentimes a lot of disagreement before we find agreement as to what game we're going to play on a on a, on a given night um we're agreeing to play by the rules and and there's a lot of negotiation that goes even into the game of you know the meta of the game it's like well I'm, you know, I really want to do this. And somebody is, you know, like, please don't do that. If you don't do that, I will do something for you later. And like, well, there's nothing in the game mm -hmm. saying that if I don't do this, that you have to do this for me later. So do I trust you? And where does that come in? So, yeah, it, it is a constantly negotiated cooperative experience, right? I completely agree. There's something very um, meaningful to me about being able to compete without the pressure of outcome, which normally is huge yeah. in a competition. And I know I might be alone in that in our group. I know some of us care a lot more about winning than others. Um, I think, you know, probably like Dimitri is on my side of the fence on this one where the experience itself is more valuable than the outcome. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it varies amongst us. It's just it's, it's it's the friendships I make in my adult life have mostly been through being pushed by the other person, whether that's competition or you know a, a, any kind of um, even in even in discussion. You know, discussion can often start off as like, well, how are we different? What what do we what do we disagree about? And those disagreements can lead to the more interesting uh, discussions. I find. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's something that my wife has has talked about in the past. She, uh, I'm not sure where she read this, but I think it was some form of of um, psychology book or self help book or something along those lines. Where it's a generalization, but there is some truth to it, as most generalizations have, which is that um, women tend to experience intimacy through shared communication. And men tend to experience intimacy through shared activity. 
So women, mm-hmm. women like face to face and men like shoulder to shoulder, like, you know, right. Uh, and maybe there's, you know, now listen, we, we have women in our, in, in our game group that love the shoulder to shoulder and, 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 and all that sort of stuff. So I don't think it holds true in that sense, but I do think what that does point out is that shared experiences, uh, and the cooperation of doing those things together is, is in itself a bonding thing. Even if, even if nothing deep was discussed, right. It's like there, there's that, that yeah. there's the unspoken that happens there that just bonds you. And, you know, I was thinking something else you said also before the podcast about the, the, the difference in the games versus straight competition. I find that I'm the kind of person who definitely appreciates the co-ops better. And I think maybe that's just because, A, I have less invested in the outcome and, it, and I kind of want everybody to be happy. Like I'm a pleaser by nature. So if it's a competitive game, I'm almost more happy to lose and other people be happy. But in a co-op game, we all win if we work together. Uh, I don't know if others out there can, you know, really appreciate that, but um, I like those games um, the most, I think, really. Yeah, I mean, Maddie can't stand a cooperative game. If somebody, you know, if somebody isn't losing, if somebody isn't crying at the table, Maddie has no interest in playing it. <laughs> I don't, I don't actually think that's it, but he doesn't, but he doesn't like co-ops. It's true. Um, me personally, the semi co-op is my, is my sweet spot. So Battlestar Galactica, where we all started off or where, yeah. you know, some of us, or the, the, the core of this group started off in that is great because you are both trying to win about uh, against somebody that is desperately trying to stop you from winning. And in order to do that, we have to, to combine and work together and we can't just work together just right off the bat first we have to figure out who who has earned our trust who is who is lying to us and who is not yes, and where absolutely. where does that fall in which is why we have another game that comes to mind yeah. is is the avalon that we some of us love and some of us do not <laughs> um there's not a lot of team games that we play you know yeah. it's almost always every man for himself and of course by man i mean player Correct. but um that's one of the games where you know that that team element gives you the cooperation but the competition is still very much apart yeah and it's a two-team game in which only one team knows what the teams are which is yeah wonderful yeah. design wonderful design right and everyone is trying to pretend to be on the agree. same team yeah, there is. There truly is nothing as great as the best game of Avalon. You know, there's nothing as bad as the worst game of Avalon. So that's also <laughs> that's also true. Um, but yeah, I mean, just just I can remember times when you have been just elated at the end of a, an Avalon game when it when you figured something out and your hunches were right and you got people to trust each other right i remember i can picture yep. the smile on your face having having done that it was like it it you know it was like you're coming off the 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 pitch after a soccer game you know victorious absolutely totally totally absolutely i love it 
I don't have a whole much more on that subject. I'll admit most of my focus has been on uh, not getting COVID. Dude, but, that's um, great. It's something that I've been thinking about a lot, and um, I'm curious what you know our listeners think. Perhaps they'll they'll chime in later in their in their in their emails whether well, they prefer one or the other or what they think about that. I think we could say that that uh, pandemic is enjoying a resurgence in the pandemic. Uh, a lot of people are playing it. A lot Indeed. of people that have never played it before. A lot of people are writing think pieces about it and what it teaches. Uh, it is a very good cooperative game that everybody should play. And Pandemic Legacy is inc- an incredible story that is being told within that game as well. Highly recommend that people uh, well, now try had, that out. Uh, these days, nothing is more important than if we could all be cooperative. Yes. I mean, there's no way we're getting out of this if we can't all start working together and doing the things that are good not only for ourselves, but for you know our neighbors and the rest of the world. So true, so true. And listen, your wife and my wife uh, like Tichu because Tichu is is both cooperative and competitive, but it is cooperative with your partner. And for, I know exactly for my, right. I know for my wife, it is it is a testament to the strength of our of our marriage to some degree. You know, it's not really, but yep. but psychologically, there's a little something to that. Like my husband and I work well together. We communicate, mm-hmm. we sacrifice for each other, right? We, we do mm-hmm. what is necessary for the best of the team and, and, and we're winning because of that. And, and there is something affirming about that, right? That, I, I think that fits into what you're talking about as well. About Absolutely. I, I'm, I would posit that every good relationship has uh, a little bit of both components, a little bit of cooperation, a little bit of competition. Yeah, I mean, listen, my, my, my wife... Uh, told me a long time ago that, listen, go out there and compete with everybody else. Don't compete with me. I don't like it. I don't, I don't, I don't dig it. Don't like it. Don't care for it. Stop doing it. And I'm, you know, I like to think I'm a pretty smart guy, but I'm a, I do too, yeah. I'm really not a very smart guy because that is a lesson I have to keep <laughs> learning. I mean, just have to bash my head against the wall again and again and again. I think I've gotten better at, at that at that over time but boy uh, she has had to be very patient with her with her husband because he's i I think the roles are a little reversed in mine whereas i often find myself saying same team same team there you go (laughs) yes (laughs) yes yeah that's the conversation right that is and that's the way it is push each other to make each other better but at the end of the day same team exactly exactly that's fantastic, Jake. That's that's really really great. Do you uh, are you up for doing a game sommelier? All right. Sometimes a player just got to know which game should stay, which game should go, which to play with Mama, Madame, Abu. You got to tell me, Monsieur, just what to do. Want to make an impression, but I can't get far. Was my fiftieth player of Agricola. A million games. Show me the way to the master, the game sommelier. Yeah. Who is that French beautiful voice? I don't know. We got to give him a big shout out. So good. <laughs> um, <laughs> we got a we got an interesting one here. I think you might uh, I think you might like it. Um, this one is from a guy named John Richards. He said, "Hi there. My best gaming buddy has always been my brother, which is very similar to what we were talking about today. Sadly, mm-hmm. he now lives in Vietnam, so we can only get to game on the holidays. I was wondering if you guys could help." What I'm hoping to find is some board game apps that play asynchronously so that we can each play our turns in our own time if needed, of course, because Vietnam is, you know, hours and hours and hours off. 
Yep. Um, the likelihood is we'll have to play some turns while the other sleeps. Do any of these exist and still allow for a fun, fulfilling game experience? Thank you so much for your time, John. John, that's that's awesome. Your buddy lives in a stunningly beautiful country. Vietnam is absolutely, absolutely gorgeous. Great people, great food. I mean, I, I'm I'm jealous. I'm jealous thinking about that place right now. Um, can you th- do? You, do you have any games that uh, that are sort of turn based that you can that you can think of well, off the top of your head? I can. I mean, it's not a euro per se, but I've recently started playing chess with my dad and uh, on, on an app oh, yeah. and it's obviously turn based and sure. without a time limit in between and it's an ongoing thing i'm finding a lot of fun with that yep yeah, yeah absolutely uh twilight struggle is the game that i is immediately the first thing i think of first of all because it's the first game i think of whenever anyone says can you recommend a good game sure. uh, it's one of my all-time favorite games and the uh, the app for it on steam is wonderful, perfect, could not be a better implementation, and completely turn-based. So you do your move, and mm-hmm. uh, you, and then whenever the person wakes up, they do their move, and so on and so forth. Sometimes if you guys are up at the same time, you'll be able to do four or five moves back and forth, and sometimes you just wait until the next day, and you wake up, and you've got a move waiting for you. Wonderful game. I think that you'll really, really like it, especially since the board includes spaces such as Vietnam. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> there is, there Let is me a card. Read your mind for your next suggestion. Now you're thinking terraforming Mars. You, how'd you know that? Yes, terraforming Mars now has a board game. Now has a board game app also on Steam that is very, very good. That uh, the the first. Implementation of it was buggy and and terrible. They've improved it. It is better now. Turn based and terraforming Mars. One of the great games. One of the great games. And then the last thing I'm going to say is a site called BoardGameCore.net. At BoardGameCore.net, they do these very simple implementations of splatter games. So you can play with your with your friend in Vietnam. You can play a turn based version of Food Chain Magnate. Oh my goodness! You can even play the Great Zimbabwe. You can play these what? amazing. Yes, yes, you can. It says it's you can. Just like in Cable Guy. It says play you can play antiquity. Friend in Vietnam. Play with your what? <laughs> you no, don't remember that from Cable Guy. You can play Mortal Kombat with your friend in Vietnam. You could play Mortal Kombat with your friend in Vietnam. <laughs> Chip was that his I name? I think those are good. Uh, yeah, Chip. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, <laughs> Jim Carrey was so that was a good freaky question, in John. that. Thank you for that. Ah, yes, yes, yes. So uh, yeah, there's a recommendation: Twilight Struggle, Terraforming Wars, both on Steam, and go to boardgamecore.net and uh, learn to play uh, Food Chain Magnate and try that. Uh, I'll also say Antiquity. They say is available on that. We have not been able to get that. Uh, we we find that to be their first implement- implementation and too buggy, but it was uh, it, it's really really good. Jake, we've done it. We've done another episode. Thank oh, you so much, uh, dude. Uh, I'm I, I miss you the most, Scarecrow. You are- <laughs> I miss you so much, dude. It's crazy how you know when you see someone once a week. I mean, those bonds that are forged, they're they're strong. There, yeah, you know, I've, I've talked about you know the pattern of male loneliness that exists in the in the modern world, and Indeed. you know, there there's a bunch of psychologists that have said that um, that that people need to meet non virtually and uh, ideally 
twice a week. So we have two game nights a week and that fills my tank and my tank is, it's an amazing thing. Drink. It's an amazing thing. And I will say this, you know, in these days at the end of my days, I, I really try and see the positives and count my blessings and my friends are among them and you are foremost in there. And I'm, I'm really, really glad to have you in my life, dude. It's, it's a really wonderful thing. I, I, everything you just said right back at you. Um, it, it, it is a real joy. It is a real, real yeah. joy. Uh, let's do a little bit of business here and say that we have a YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash C forward slash game brain pod. We have a Facebook group and a discord channel. And now with everybody locked in, there's a lot of stuff going on on the Facebook group and a lot of stuff going on the discord channel. Please get in more board games, some A requests. I'm not sure we have any more Somalia requests right now. Maybe one or two. Uh, and please, 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 I'll say it one last time. Uh, if you could, if you could see your way to going to boardgamegeek.com forward slash geek awards, please vote for uh, for us for the best new yeah. podcast. We would love, love, Absolutely. love to be able to be in the contention for a golden geek. Uh, and besides all of that, we tremendously have enjoyed this year of uh, talking to you guys about games. And we, we like to think that our uh, our friend base that uh, Jake and I were just talking about is ever-expanding as we get to know more Absolutely. of each and every one of you. You've been listening to Game Brain, produced and edited by Matthew Robinson and Tom Donnelly. Special thanks to Daedalus for our incredible music. You know him as Alfred. Hey, Alfred. More on Daedalus at GameBrainPod.com. And you can reach us by email at contact at GameBrainPod.com or on Twitter at GameBrain underscore pod. Hey, thanks for listening, everybody. And go out and play some games with friends online or virtually make some friends with games.